Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the seventh episode, the Kimi Raikkonen episode of the podcast after the first sprint weekend of the long season, and we see Max Verstappen take home maximum points from the weekend. So let's get into the Imola weekend review. It was the third Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, formerly known as the San Marino Grand Prix, as we touched on last week, uh, home of the Tafosi, but unfortunately, it was not at all their weekend. So uh, let's recap. Uh, first of all, I want to say I am uh, struggling a little bit with a sore throat and a cough, so I apologize if my voice sounds a little raspy, but I'm giving you guys this recap, so let's get into it. First, uh, we have to start with qualifying. Uh, I love some quality on a Friday. That was awesome. Always, always nice to see some, some meaningful racing on a Friday. But holy moly, five red flags uh, in the damp session. In Q1, to note my prediction from last week, Ocon would finally get some Alpine uh, reliability bad luck that Alonso seems to have every single weekend and did have this weekend, but we'll get on that later. He had a gearbox issue uh, and had to finish P19 in qualifying because in P20 uh, was Alex Albon who caused red flag number one. His Williams was on fire in the best way in Melbourne. But uh, this time it was literally on fire uh, with an issue um, with the brakes on his Williams. So he was he was spewing debris all over the track and obviously caused the first red flag. The only red flag of Q1, though. Also in Q1, both Mercedes were on the brink of elimination uh, with Hamilton pipping Sonoda to 15th by four thousandths of a second. Russell, I believe, was 13th in Q1. Just dangerously, dangerously close for those cars to to be almost both out in Q1. Not not just Hamilton and Jetta out in Q1, both cars almost out in Q1. Crazy. Um, both Alvataris, though, they were out in Q1 after reportedly receiving an upgrade at their... It was their home race, too. They Their factory is also in Italy, just down the road from where the Imola track is. And they're both out in Q1. Um especially with an upgrade apparently coming for their car. Uh, that's not a good look. But, you know, it got, it gets better for AlphaTauri. Uh, you'll see. In Q2, we get the second red flag when Carlos Sainz put his Ferrari in the barrier. Although he did set a good lap time, so that basically ensured that he'd start the sprint uh, P10 because he safely made it into Q3, but was obviously not able to set a time with a crashed and destroyed car. At this time, Mercedes, uh, both cars were outside the top 10, um, and when that red flag that Signs brought out, um, it was really bad news for everyone outside the top 10. At this point, Russell was in 11th, and Hamilton was 13th, with Mick Schumacher sandwiched between them, I believe, and it started to rain, which basically meant that all those all those people that were outside the top 10 were going to have to set improving times on a much much damper worse track to to race on and it basically spelled the end of mercedes run of both or at least one car making it into q3 sorry it was the first time since japan 2012 a merc failed to make q3 so that's that's 10 years of history right there gone and the mercedes was quite shocking quite shocking this weekend Anyways, into Q3, another jumbled order. We had a bit of a jumbled order in Australia, and we get one even probably more jumbled 
Um, Magnuson, he had to be my star of qualifying. He causes the third red flag, though. And you, you think, without context, I'm telling you Magnuson brings out a red flag. How, the, how in the world could he be the star of qualifying? Well, in that red flag he brought out, he cleverly avoids the barrier at Aqua Minerale, which if you, if you don't know the corner, if you've ever played the F1 game, it is the trickiest corner at Imola. It is an absolute spin factory. It is uh, uphill. It's like a double right-hander, and the exit is an uphill and it, it's brutal, and it and a couple drivers got caught out this weekend at Aqua Minerale, and Magnuson. It looks like he beaches his Haas, but he actually makes it out with some with some honestly beautiful, fast thinking to to save his Haas from basically being eliminated from qualifying, and then he goes on to put his Haas on the second row P4, brilliant brilliant result. Unbelievable. I, I was shocked. The fact that he was almost out and then he puts it on P4 was honestly, it was amazing. That was my favorite part of qualifying. Um, the fourth red flag. So remember, this is five and we're in Q3. There was, there was three red flags in Q3, which is ridiculous. And I'm just sitting there on my on my couch watching the uh, the qualifying and I'm already like, wow, this is, this is taking a while and there was still two more red flags to come. Um, this one was for Bottas's alpha. He, it basically decided to quit on him and he hilariously opted to ride back in the tow truck with his, uh, stricken alpha on the back was a pretty funny sight to see. Cause most of them, you know, they take the scooter off. He hops in the passenger seat shotgun with the tow truck driver, classic Bottas. Um, and at this point, I believe, um, I believe Verstappen had already. S- oh no! Right, uh, my my memory was almost uh, going on me there. Leclerc had the fastest time, and while Bottas was um, just off the road at Rivazza, which is the second to last corner at Imola, uh, the, the yellow flag comes out, and Verstappen was coming through at that time, and he had already been a full second up on Leclerc's pole uh, provisional pole time, and he even lifts massively. So he he gets no penalty, and he still sets pole by about eight tenths of a second. A, amazing lap for Verstappen to literally lift through the last few corners and still set the pole time of over eight tenths of a second. Wild, but because there was one more red flag, nobody really had a chance to come back at Verstappen. I'm not sure if they would have, but I mean, he he was on pole with lifting in the third sector. So I mean. It's hard to say, but because of that, the, the red flag obviously comes out for Bottas. There's another big delay. And I think the track got a little bit more wet. I might be mistaken there, but it doesn't matter. They come back out, and Norris brings out an, another red flag. At the time, he was uh, P3. And he he essentially ensured that he would finish third in the, uh, in, in the qualifying um, by also going off at Ackerman Rally, very similarly to Kevin Magnuson. And those those two were your second row, Belando P3, Magnuson P4. Um, also, a big shout-out to Seb Vettel, who made Q3 in the Aston Martin. That is brilliant work from him as well. Now, moving on to the sprint. Um, the sprint was pretty interesting, I must say, although... I still think I was right last week by questioning the decision to bring the sprint to Imola. It's just, Imola is a cool track. It is a historic track. 
and it's interesting, but it's just not a great track for overtaking. There's only the one DRS straight, and in a sprint, I feel like you want to pick the tracks where overtaking can be done in a lot of different corners, because it's all about, the sprint is pretty much all about managing the risk versus reward, because now there's more points, so there is more reward, but it's a huge risk to cost yourself points in the race by going for something, where in Imola, it's just, you sit back, it basically a parade all all through the all through the lap, and then you wait for that DRS detection zone, and you go for it on the straight. That's basically all MLA is. But in a weird way, it still was a great sprint, one of the best actually, and it was really all because of the drama at the front though. And we had some cars out of order, you know. Brazil is still the best sprint from last year. I am a Hamilton fan. But you're crazy to not call that the best sprint. That was incredible. And it was all because a car was out of order in 20th. And Hamilton obviously had an amazing drive. But having Perez and Sainz out of order, um, Sainz and P10, I think Perez qualified P7, um, made the sprint great as well because they were making overtakes and they brought themselves back up to third and fourth. But the drama at the front was between Leclerc and Verstappen. Verstappen gets away very poorly. Um and allows Leclerc to take the lead into turn one. And he led the sprint pretty much the whole race, but then his tires, he was dealing with some graining. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, basically, I don't need to explain it to you, it basically means your tire performance is falling off a cliff. So Verstappen closes the gap again, gets DRS, and breezes past Leclerc with an incredible closing speed. He was driving almost 340 kilometers an hour at the end of the straight. Uh, goes around the outside into the, what is it, um, the Tamborello chicane, and that was it. He drives off into the distance. It was very late stages of the sprint, and he secures himself uh, P1 on the grid for the race and takes eight points to Leclerc's seven. Um, and third was Perez, fourth was Sainz. Now for the race. I have to say, this is probably the worst of the year, in my opinion. Australia was the worst, in my opinion, last week. But neither of these races were bad. We had, we were, we saw amazing races in Bahrain, especially Bahrain. Bahrain was a banger. Thinking about that now, Bahrain was amazing. Uh, Jeddah was good, and then Australia and Imola have both been kind of meh. But, I mean, meh isn't that bad. It's still very early. We're going to see some great races this year between Leclerc and Verstappen for sure. But, um, and there was a lot of drama in this race. And if, if there were, if, if it wasn't for like the mistakes made by like certain teams and whatnot, I think this race would have been even worse. But anyway, we'll get to that. The, my point is for about like 15 laps, the only on track battle was the seemingly endless DRS train of Albon, Gasly, and Hamilton. They showed Hamilton for like 10 laps. Nico Rosberg was trolling him on the Sky Sports, uh, Sky Sports broadcast. He said something like, And for the 20th time, Hamilton does not get around Gasly. Uh, it was it was painful. I mean, obviously, for a Hamilton fan especially. But just, I don't, I'm not just a Hamilton fan. I'm a huge fan of F1. And I just want to see great racing. I don't care who it's between. But that was just, that was awful for like 15 laps there. I'm sitting there like, this is really the only thing that's going on. And if Gasly can't get past Albon, Hamilton's not getting past Gasly. And, well, that's essentially what a DRS train is. And it was, it was pretty boring. <laughs> um, but at the start, everyone was on the intermediate tires. It was a bit wet. 
and this time it was Leclerc who had a bad start. Um, he gets passed by Norris and Perez. Norris had a great launch, um, but Leclerc's teammate right behind him gets bumped by Daniel Ricciardo, and it was kind of Ricciardo's fault, which is also hilarious because just last week I did a Build My Perfect Driver, and I chose Daniel Ricciardo as somebody who um, avoids accidents, never causes them, and of course, turn one causes an accident. He, he was not penalized. It, it probably was more of a racing incident. I agree with the stewards there, but Sainz is out on lap one, and it's kind of because of Daniel. So awful luck for Sainz, who really was looking to bounce back this weekend. He crashes in qualifying, and then he's taken out turn one into the race. Well, I guess technically turn two, but it's a chicane. Um, so right, also at the start, uh, George Russell, he was 11th at the sprint, and he benefits massively from this collision by uh, Ricardo and Sainz. Obviously, they move all the way back, so that's an automatic two positions gained for basically everyone behind. But Russell goes from sixth, or sorry, eleventh to sixth. He made probably the move of the day also later in the race on Magnuson to take fifth into the Varianti Alta chicane, which is the one right after Aquaman Rally. You go up the hill, and there's a chicane there. It's it's a tough one to manage because the to the two curves. But he goes right in on Magnuson right there. It was a great move. Uh, Bottas also made a nice move on Magnuson into Rivazza, like I said is where Bottas uh, had to pull his alpha over in qualifying. It's the second-to-last corner. Uh, pretty much all the other moves, I think, in the race were made on the pit straight. So I just wanted to to mention that amazing move by Russell and, I guess, to shout out Bottas as well. Who They both had great races. Um, Alonso. Um, I bet if I say, hey, guess what happened to Alonso this week, you'll get it right because guess what? He had more bad luck. Uh, with reliability, he had a side pod failure. I think it's because uh, right at the beginning, I think it was Mick who had a bit of a moment and banged Alonso uh, on the exit of turn two. And he, a couple laps later, as he's getting passed by Lewis Hamilton, his side pod flies off and he had to retire. So horrible luck for Alonso, who is still, I think, on two points this year. I feel like he's actually driven really well, Alonso. Yet he has two points. That is wild. Sebastian Vettel has been in two races. One of the worst races he's ever had in F1 was in Australia. So he's basically had one race and has more points than Fernando Alonso in a car that's much more inferior. That's how that's how the, the bad luck of Alonso has just cost him this first four rounds of the season. Incredible bad luck for him. Um... So yes, like I said, everyone starts on enters, the track's drying quickly, so Ricardo in P18, basically used as a guinea pig, uh, he came in for slicks first on the drying track and immediately starts going quicker, so prompts everyone to go for the dries. However, Hamilton, on the radio, they play this on the broadcast, so this is 100% guaranteed, he has a chance to come in and pit one lap earlier, basically right after Ricardo came in, and he didn't. And it cost him dearly. And it's because when he came in that lap later, when basically everyone was coming in for the dries, Ocon was released into his path, uh, which cost Hamilton uh, two or three places on the track. And Ocon was penalized for an unsafe release. And it was pretty sketchy. But Lewis might not have ever been in that situation had he just come in that lap earlier. He said it was too early. And then... 
literally like a minute and a bit later, it's not early enough anymore, and he's getting comp- he's getting brought in. They had already brought Georgia, and he was way up the road. And that basically ruined his race. Lewis was stuck in the DRS train for the rest of the race. He finished P13. Um, but, you know, let's stop talking about these guys at the back. Let's get to the front runners. This is what everyone cares about. Max, he comfortably dominated the race. He was ahead the whole time, similar to Leclerc in Australia. Um, but when they everyone came into pit, Leclerc overcut Perez, actually. Um, but he was swiftly passed by Perez just a few corners after. Um, clearly, Perez's tires were much more warm um, and prepared to, I guess, go fast on the track because it was... Uh, well, I guess that was actually another move that was made not on the pit straight. Um, but it was very easy pass for Perez. It was clear he had much more grip at the time. Um, but then this is kind of the part I was talking about. Nothing happens. Leclerc on the back of Perez for a while. There was times where he was in the DRS range, but the DRS wasn't turning on. I'm going to talk about that later because that was shocking. But anyway, fast forward to lap 50 of 63. Leclerc comes in for the softs, essentially concedes P2. He's like, I'm not going to catch Sergio. I'm going to go for the fastest lap because I'm like 20 or so seconds ahead of Norris. And he he does get, he well actually Norris does come out just in front of him, but he passes him. And he does get the fastest lap. However, Red Bull decides to do the same. They bring Max and Sergio in and basically covers off Leclerc. Although I didn't understand why they, why they did that. I think they had to bring in Perez because Max wanted to come in. And if they didn't bring... Perez in, then Perez is in front of Max, and they don't want to have to have that that weird scenario. So they bring them both in. Although what this does is it brings Perez right back into the clutches of Leclerc, who, like we saw um, on lap 30 or whatever it was when people were coming in for the slicks, having that one lap already, um, or it might have been a few laps. I think it was just one, though. Having that lap to warm up your tires could be crucial to making a pass on Perez, and it was very close. And, you know, Leclerc actually did have one shot with DRS, and, and it didn't work. Um, but when he tried again, he Perez was kind of pulling away, actually, at this point, and he tries to remain in DRS range on lap 53. Leclerc tries to take a whole bunch of the inside curb at the very anti-alta chicane, and he loses control of the car, spins into the barrier, damages his front wing, costly costly mistake by the championship leader he had to go in pit again some were saying did he really have to pit because you know there was still a like norris would have been ahead he wouldn't have caught norris and then he might have been able to hold on to that p4 spot but i don't know you you play it safe you don't want to cause any more issues because you have damage so they come in he goes all the way down to p9 um leclerc did recover though to p6 uh, so only Bottas and Russell, and then the guys I mentioned before, uh, being Norris, Perez, and Verstappen, finished ahead of um, Leclerc. So, sorry, that that was a lot of recap that I just did. I know Sprint Weekend makes it a whole nother, and all those red flags, and just so much happened. So we're finally, we're done that part. Let's talk about the points finishes. So Max Verstappen took pole, P1 in the Sprint, P1 in the race, and the fastest lap. Just an incredible weekend from the Dutchman. Uh, Sergio Perez took his second consecutive P2 to make it the first Red Bull 1-2 since 2016. 
Lando Norris rounded out the podium for McLaren, um, giving them their first podium in 2022 and Lando's second P3 in as many years at Imola. Uh, in P4, we had the king of consistency, George Russell, who's finished P4 and P5, I think, in every P4, P5, P3, every race. That's an incredible start to the season for George and his new team. Um, although Valtteri Bottas, he was P5, and he almost took P4 from George, and he probably would have if it weren't for a long pit stop. Um, where have we heard that before from Bottas, huh? I mean, just always bad luck in the pits for Bottas, it seems. I guess one thing I wanted to, I forgot to mention about George, when he came in for slicks, they were supposed to um, adjust the front wing just a little bit, give him less downforce, because you get you usually want way more downforce in the wet. So in dry, he wants a little bit less front wing, to give him a little bit more of the straight line speed. Basically just had an issue with the setup. He dealt with it the whole time and held on to P4. So... Hats off to hats off to George. Um, P6, of course, was Leclerc. P7 was Yuki Tsunoda, who I will talk about later. P8 was Sebastian Vettel, who is part of a double points finish for Aston with Lance in P10. Uh, what a turnaround for the Silverstone-based team, Aston Martin, with a great weekend after their worst ever. And P9, Magnussen, who salvaged two points for Haas, who struggled a lot after a great qualifying session. The Drivers' Championship. It looks a lot different now with Leclerc. Uh, now he only leads by 27 points to Max, who moved up from P6 all the way to P2. Perez also moved up past Russell, who is second going into the weekend. Five points behind his Red Bull teammate is Perez, and five points ahead of Russell, who is in P4. Sainz is now down to P5. Norris is ahead of Lewis, who is the last of the Brits in the championship in P7. We got Russell in P4, Norris P6, Hamilton P7. Three British drivers on the grid. Lewis Hamilton is last of them. Wow. Uh, Hamilton's old teammate, Bottas, is right on his tail in P8. Ocon is down to P9. After finally not scoring a point, like I predicted, I'm going to uh, give myself a hand there for a very, very not bold prediction got right. Um, and Magnussen remains in P10. In the constructors, Red Bull is right with Ferrari again, trailing them by 11 points. That can easily be done in one race, as we just saw. Mercedes is down to third, with McLaren charging behind them in P4. If Daniel Ricciardo had got a good result here, this would be a very close fight for third. Um, Alfa Romeo moves ahead of Alpine, who falls to P6. Great result from Bottas, got that done. Alfa Tauri has a one-point advantage over Haas in a battle for seventh, while Aston takes their first points to move up to P9 ahead of Williams. All teams have scored by round four, by the way. That is amazing. Now, let's uh, let's get into prize, divine, and surprise. You know, the next race is in Miami two weeks from now, so um, I'm not going to do those predictions until next week. But that episode is going to be awesome. I can't wait to record next week and talk about Miami. Anyway, prize. There were so many great drivers in this race. Um Great drives, I should say. <laughs> There's great drivers every race. Um, great drives this race. Max, of course, dominates. Lando didn't put a foot wrong. I mean, he he didn't really have to do much. So he kind of flew under the radar, but still a great drive. I mean, he was never challenged from anyone behind. And he obviously wasn't able to fight with the top teams, but that's the, that's the car he has. So, I mean, it's still a good shout to Lando. 
George from P11 up to P4. Uh, Valtteri, who had a great race, honestly could have finished P4 in an Alfa Romeo if it weren't for that pit stop. Uh, Seb, obviously finishing P8 in an Aston Martin. Great job from him. But I'm giving the prize to Yuki Tsunoda. He technically outqualifies Gasly, who dominated him in quali last season. And I say technically because they were both out in Q1. The the quali was not the prize part of Sonoda's drive uh, this weekend. Um, and Gasly was right behind him. But he starts the, uh, the sprint from 16th. Um, he moves up to 12th from there. Um, and then from 12th in the race, finishes P7. And single-handedly brings Alphatari ahead of Haas in the championship. And it wasn't just this, like, stroke of luck that Sonoda had. Like, Russell, he had a great race, don't get me wrong, but the first lap was l- a bit lucky. Like I said, the the road just opened up for George, and he just slid through there and was right behind Magnussen, who qualified on the second row in qualifying, you know. So, just, he was lucky there. Where Sonoda, he, he did benefit a bit from the start. I think he moved up three positions. But he overtook people cleanly to get this P7. Like, it was a well-earned, hard-fought P7 from a guy who, let's be honest, was in the shadow of Gasly all last season. Um, He simply outclassed him this weekend. Gasly could not get past the Williams. He was very, very frustrated on the radio afterwards, just saying, like, the Williams was so slow in the corners, yet then they had all this straight-line speed, and he could just do nothing about it, which, I mean, also kind of proves my point about the Imola track and how it's not really great for the sprint. But anyways, this is about Sonoda. An absolutely amazing, amazing race. And outclasses his teammate who, let's be honest, was rated very, very highly um, after a terrific 2021. So, well done, Yuki. And you really showed that you're you're really closing up on the, uh, the gap that Gasly had on you last year. So, um, well done, Yuki. Now, the demise, there's a few options for this one, too. Ferrari, obviously, terrible weekend in Italy. Both their drivers made mistakes. Carlos and Quali. Leclerc made the bigger one in the race. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, he crashed um, in the sprint, which cost him his race. Uh, He couldn't get past Latifi for the longest time in the race. Um, Alpine, they brought home no points. Uh, Ricardo, he blew a P6 uh, start from the grid at the first turn. Magnussen uh, tumbled down the order. He obviously qualified P4, fell down in the sprint, moved up at the beginning, and then fell down the race again down to P9. But my demise just has to be Lewis Hamilton. Just a dreadful race from him. P13 while his teammate was in P4. Uh, Lost up to George and Quali as well. Uh, He's down to P7 in the championship. He couldn't get past Gasly for about 30 laps. Um, he also made the wrong call, like I mentioned earlier, by not coming in a lap earlier for the slicks. Could have avoided that whole scenario with Ocon in the pits. It was just an all-around horrible weekend for Lewis. And, uh, you know, by the end of round four, the seven-time champion Lewis Hamilton has already written off his title hopes after round four. Imagine saying that last year. Wow. Just awful, awful awful from Lewis so far. Now my surprise. This is a weird one. I mentioned when I first brought this in after the first race in Bahrain that the surprise, the prize and demise are always going to be a team or a driver. And I'm, I'm usually going to stick to a driver. 
But in the surprise, I'm going to talk about anything that surprised me during the race. It doesn't have to be a team or a driver. Because if I were to pick a team or a driver, I would easily choose Aston Martin um, after their ridiculous turnaround to double points after being like the laughing stock of the Australian Grand Prix. Um, but nothing surprised me more than how long it took to get DRS in this race. The broadcast certainly mentioned this plenty of times, at least Sky Sports did. Um, and it just, it made no sense to me. The, the track was dry enough while the track, while the drivers had intermediates on. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Yeah, they could have DRS on right now, but maybe we'll wait till the drivers put the slicks on. You know, that makes sense to me. So they come in for slicks, um, and still no DRS. Lap later, oh, it's going to come soon. Still no DRS. It wasn't until lap 34 of 63, so half the race had gone by, no DRS, and honestly, like, it wasn't that wet even to start out. But, obviously, they're not going to put it on right at the start, and there's still a bit of spray. I, I completely understand that. I'm not saying there should have been DRS the whole time. But lap 34, and we had, like, I don't, I don't remember how many laps they did on the slicks, but almost 10 laps, I feel like, on the slick tires before DRS was enabled. It felt like an eternity. Especially with, um, to talk about Lewis again, he was behind Gasly in DRS range for quite a few laps and couldn't get it done without the DRS. And then as soon as the DRS is enabled, it's past, it's past the detection point for Lewis, so he is within one second of Gasly again, doesn't get the move done again, and by the time they get to the DRS detection point again, Gasly had closed up on Albon, he had DRS on Albon, and he couldn't get past Albon for the rest of the race. It literally finished Albon, uh, Gasly, Hamilton. Unbelievable. Like, I obviously, I, I'm a Hamilton fan, but that was just... It, it had implications for other people, too. I mean, Leclerc, um, Leclerc and Perez. They Leclerc was in DRS range of Perez, and he could have maybe got a job done or they could have had a little battle if DRS was available earlier in the race and it wasn't. And by the time DRS was enabled, Leclerc was outside of DRS range and, you know, that's what led to him conceding P2 and causing that whole drama at the end of the race with him spinning out. Um, yeah, in a weird way though, I have to say maybe it was nice that it took so long for DRS to come in because it really gave everyone a chance to realize that we 100% still need DRS in F1. That was very, very boring with DRS on, I must say. And, or sorry, DRS off. And um, just a few races ago, there was chatter about getting rid of DRS. Imola is a track that still needs it desperately. And uh, the FIA, or the stewards, or whoever decides who puts DRS on, just proved that um, this weekend. Now, um, I've already talked for 30 minutes, which I'm actually very surprised. That was a lot of recap about the race and then my prize demise and surprise. And like I mentioned at the start, um, I really apologize to you guys because I definitely am not sounding my best right now, dealing with a bit of a cold. So I'm going to cut it short today. Um, I've got no other talking points. Um, save it all for next week. The Miami episode Granted, I feel better by then, which I, I imagine I will. It's just a little cold that's affecting my sinuses. Um, that one will be 
a great episode. So definitely don't miss don't miss that one. But this one, um, this one I'm going to cut short. Uh, and as I do before the end of every every episode, quick shout out to a brilliant sim racing league and RLR. We race at Zanvoort this Friday. And if you want to check out our lead, go to YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook and look up Raw League Racing to get our races with commentary. Or go to my Twitch channel, Be Crazy, to watch my personal streams. So that will do it for the Iceman episode of Break Bias. I'm sorry to Kimmy, I couldn't do more for your episode. Um, well, but I guess in Riken and fashion, I'm talking as little as possible, so maybe I am honoring him appropriately. Uh, anyways, I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will be back with episode 8 next Monday to preview the first ever Miami Grand Prix. That should be a fun one. Goodbye.